1910, Joyce Hall designed and sent the first greeting card. Her business grew, and today the Hallmark Company sends out 7 billion cards every year. Hallmark has 47% of the market, and they have produced over 2,000 Valentine cards. Well, years ago, the Hallmark Company established a advertising theme. They said, when you care enough to send the very best. The message is this. When you send a card to somebody, you are saying you are valued, you are treasured, you are loved, and you are a blessing to me. Likewise, God has sent us a love letter. He has sent us, if you please, a Hallmark card. And he is saying to us, you are valued. You are treasured. I care deeply for you. I love you so much, so much that I came to earth and paid a price that you could never pay. You know, we are people that love memorials. Nancy and I have traveled in all 50 states. In every state, we pass signs of memorials that they have, things that are to be remembered in the history of that state. And so it is, we are told in Washington, D.C. area, that there are 1,673 Let me say that again. In the Washington, D.C. area, 1,673 monuments, memorials, or landmarks. We are people that love memorials. There were many in the Old Testament. There are some in the New Testament, especially if you go visit the Holy Land. But we are people that like to go back and reminisce. Where we, we like to go back and, in a sense, relive something that happened years ago. And as we partake of the Lord's Supper, something did happen years ago that we need to celebrate, we need to commemorate, and we need to focus on something that Jesus Christ did many years ago. Now understand the Lord's Supper is not a merit, but it is a memorial. It is not something that we do to get something. We don't experience salvation. We don't find that there's any merit in the Lord's Supper. It is only for God's people that have already experienced it. The memorial has already been placed in focus, and we simply celebrate what Jesus Christ has done. So the Lord's Supper is for those that are here that know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, as we look at 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, 
most of these two chapters are dedicated to explaining the Lord's Supper and what the Lord's Supper is and what it isn't. And I went through, I went through these two chapters and I found that there were ten words, ten words that I pulled out of these two chapters that remind me of what the Lord's Supper should actually accomplish in our lives. And so what I would like to do uh, is take out these ten words and I, in other words, it's a ten-point outline, okay? Uh, don't fret, I have, uh, I have taken this outline and I have taken the outline of my message and put it in half sheets of paper, okay? So you don't have to write this down in your Bibles and uh, typically after the service I'll be at the door and I'll have these and I'll be happy to pass them out. I think I have 75 of them, if that's not enough. The secretary here, please take one, and then you can ask her for one maybe next week. But um, that way you'll be able to be reminded, because I think this is something that every time we receive the Lord's Supper, it is something that we need to be reminded of what it really means and how it should impact our life. So what is the Lord's Supper? And I'm going to start with word number one. And that is found in chapter 10, verse 16. And the word is communion. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Now the word communion here is the word that comes from the word common, or partnership, or togetherness. It is something that we do together when we partake of communion We do it together. We, as Baptists, typically don't go to nursing homes or hospitals and serve communion. Why? Because it is something that we do as a family, as a church family. So we share the Lord's Supper when we are together. And so the first word of the Lord's Supper is the word communion. And as we partake, we are demonstrating partnership. We are partners together. We are, Paul said, we are co-laborers. We are serving together. We are worshiping together. We are blessing each other's lives together. So the first word of the Lord's Supper is the word communion. The second word is found in verse 17. It is the word for unification. For we being many are one. Again, we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. So the second word of the Lord's Supper, I would suggest to you that it is the word unification. Unification. When we partake together, we do something in common. We all do it together at the same time. We all share at the same time. It is something that we do in a unified way because we are partners together. So the second word of communion, I would suggest it is unification. Now, churches oftentimes 
are known. Now, I'm not implying anything about your church. You're happy people. I can tell that just by being with you. But generally speaking, churches have been known for quarreling. And, and this is something that is endemic because we are, we are, uh, we are imperfect people. People say, well, there's a problem with that church or this church. Well, we are, we, we are people. Churches are made of people. Redeemed people, but we are still in, we, we are still, uh, uh, we still have feet of clay as, as it said. But when we partake of the Lord's Supper, it is a sign of our unification. And it is a sign of unification that should symbolize everything else that we do. Everything that you do as a church, every department, every program, every ministry, it is something that we should do together because we are partners. And when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are minded that we are number one partners, but we are of one mind. And when we are of one mind, that means we should be peacemakers. Are you simply a recipient of peace that others initiate, or are you, by nature, a peacemaker? Well, the third word of the Lord's Supper is the word separation. Verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils, Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the tables of devils. The Apostle Paul is trying to impress upon us as we partake of these elements. There should be a sense of sincerity. There, and, and so I would suggest the word separation. And the Lord's Supper is not just for something that we do on Sunday, but it is something that we do tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. It is a life that we live all week long. And the Lord's Supper is not something that we partake of and go home and go through a metamorphosis. The Lord's Supper recognizes separation that we should realize as we partake of this that God expects us to live holy lives and separated lives and pure lives. And so we partake. It is not something that we just do here, but we recognize that it is a part of our lives and part of our goal to live a life separate from sin. The fourth word, the word appreciation. Chapter 10, verse 30. For if by grace, for if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of? For that which I give thanks. The Lord's Supper, among other things, should be a time of thanksgiving. And as you partake of the elements, it should remind us that if it had not been for Jesus Christ, we would be uh, in a hopeless eternity without Christ, without God. And he alone enables us to be in Christ. So it should be a time of thanksgiving. There are, uh, my wife is one of these people, and in every church that I have been at, there are certain people that have a gift, and that they have a gift of sending out cards, thank you cards. You know who you are. 
You know who you are, don't you? And you know something everybody else does too. But you are the ones that send cards to those that are sick, maybe in the hospital. Those that maybe had uh, a a celebration uh, uh, in their family and you rejoice with them and you go buy a Hallmark card and you send out these cards. Maybe this is just a thank you note. Have you ever sent a thank you note to... uh, Maybe somebody on your praise team. I like I like your music. You, you you folks do a great job. Kudos to the praise team. But have you ever sent a thank you note to the people that work and practice so hard so they can provide a good music program for you? Thank you notes. Well, that's what the Lord's Supper is. is a time of thanksgiving. A time of thanksgiving. And then there's the fifth word of the Lord's Supper. It is the word... Adoration, chapter 10, verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I would suggest to you that it is a time of worship, a time of reverence. And worship means that we declare the worth of God. And the songs that you sang, and and everything about this service should be done reverently. You see, and there's many ways of doing that, but we we really feel that this should be a reverent time because we it is a time of worship. It is a time of of, of giving to God the 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 value, the worth that is His and His alone. So, I would suggest. The first five words that describe communion are found in chapter 10. Communion, unification, separation, appreciation, and adoration. But then, as you come to the end of chapter 10, something interesting happens. Because we have between chapter 10 and chapter 11 a what we would call admonition, okay? So you might add the 11th word, okay? And that is the word admonition. For in chapter 11, verses 1 through 19, he it it is parenthetical. It It is almost as if the Apostle Paul went off script, but he didn't. Right in the middle of his describing what communion is and what communion means, he stopped. And he gave us instruction which may seem totally unrelated to the Lord's Supper. But during the first part of chapter 11, he gave admonishment to the husbands, the wives, and the family. So what does the family have to do with communion? Well, he did this intentionally. And these parenthetical remarks about the family were intended because he wanted us to be reminded of the importance of communion because we are the bride of Christ. And that's what the home is built upon, A husband and wife coming together and being one. 
and our reminder that Jesus Christ is the groom and we are the bride of Christ. So he's saying, as you partake of the Lord's Supper, being reminded, this is important, folks, because we are the bride of Christ. And as the bride is to the groom, so we should reflect on Jesus Christ and who he is to us. Therefore, communion is not what we simply do at church. In other words, what he's saying is, if this is true and we are the bride of Christ, he uses these 20 verses to explain to us that the home speaks of the relationship between the bride and the groom. And communion is not something that we simply do at church, but it is something that we do at home. What we celebrate during the Lord's Supper is something that we live not just once a month or once every six weeks, how often you do it, but the Lord's Supper is something that we should celebrate, something that we should remember, something that should consume our thinking, even when we go home. You know, we come to church and we're all... We all dress up and and we and we're at our Sunday best, right? And that's we're, that's expected of us to be our Sunday best on Sunday. But that that's not a biblical thing. God says, God, I want you to live at home just like you live in church. Don't come to church and look one way and talk one way and behave one way and then go home and be something entirely different. So between the Lord's Supper description in chapter 10 and in chapter 11, we find this parenthetical period about the home and the family. Why is this important? Why is the Lord's Supper important? Because we we are the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, then, chapter 11. He continues with five more thoughts about the Lord's Supper. And the sixth thought is the word accommodation. Accommodation. Verse 21 of chapter 11. For in eating every one taketh before another his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. Now, they... Uh, they misunderstood the Lord's Supper. They came together and it was a feast. They, everybody brought food and some ate and some didn't eat. They didn't share. And so I would like to suggest that the sixth word is the word accommodation. The Lord's Supper is a time of sharing. It is a time of serving. It is a time of giving. Look at verse 33. 33, wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. Tarry or wait or serve one another. And, you know, today we will all be served. The deacons will be served. You will be served. Everybody will be served. We don't ask you to come and get communion and take it yourself. That will be contrary to Scripture. We we will take the plate to you, and then you pray, and 
we, we admonish you to make sure you know Jesus Christ and make sure you're living in fellowship with him. But everybody is served. And so I would, I would suggest the sixth word is the word accommodation. We are here to share. We are here to serve. We are here to give. The apostles argued about who was the greatest. And the Lord really threw them off when he said, the greatest among you is the greatest servant. And I suggest today that the greatest person in this church is the one who was the greatest servant. Because that's what Jesus was all about. He was about serving. He was about giving. He was about sharing. And in the Lord's Supper, he shared his blood. He gave his blood for you as a payment for sin. And that's why we meet around the Lord's Supper. The seventh word is the word commemoration. Verse 23 of chapter 11. And this is the text that we read earlier. Commemoration means that there is a symbol behind what we do. Commemoration means that we are remembering something. A, a memorial points to something in the past. And in this case, these elements are a way of commemorating what happened on that cross many years ago. Because Jesus gave his blood. He surrendered his body. And as we partake of these elements, we are reminded, this is what Jesus Christ did for me. Well, the eighth word is the word proclamation. Proclamation. Chapter 11, verse 26. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. We are making a statement this morning. And we, we uh, you know, anybody can come to this church, and if you are here, maybe you're a visitor, maybe you do, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. We are making a statement today. We are making a statement that Jesus Christ gave his life for our sins. We are making a statement to all that are here. And as you partake, you are unashamedly partaking in front of others so that they will see that by your partaking, you are making a statement this morning as you partake. You are making a statement that you know Christ. That you know Christ. And you're unashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. So the eighth word is the word proclamation. We are making a statement about our commitment to Christ. And then the ninth word is the word expectation. Again, verse 26. 26 has two thoughts. And from verse 26, I find the word expectation. We show the Lord's death till he comes. And the Lord's Supper is for now. It is a way of us being reminded of Christ. When we get to heaven, Jesus Christ will be there. 
I guess I don't believe we will be doing communion in heaven because Jesus Christ will be there. We will see him, the Bible says, face to face. And we will be with him throughout all eternity. But until that time, we look forward to a future moment when we will be united with Jesus Christ. And so as you drink this cup and eat this bread, allow yourself to be reminded that one day these elements will be done away because one day I will be with him. Paul said, absent from the body, present with the Lord. If your heart stops and you and you are lost, and, you, and, and, and you, you, your, your life is lost, it will be found because of Christ. And so Jesus Christ is our expectation. And so as you partake of the Lord's Supper, be reminded that we do have a future expectation, and it points to our future union with Christ. And then verse, well, the, the word number 10, Word number 10 is the word examination. Verse 27 and verse 28. And with this, the Apostle Paul concludes his instruction. Verse 27, Wherefore, whoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. It is a time of examination. It is a time we examine our heart, our lives. If you are living in a state of rebellion, if you are living in a state of sin that has been unconfessed, uh, your sin is all forgiven, past, present, and future. But if there's sin in your life that you won't deal with, if there's rebellion in your heart that you are not ready to deal with, if you have an ought with your brother that you're unwilling to deal with, the Bible says deal with it. Deal with it. Don't take hypocritically. Deal with it. And then partake with a clean heart and with a clean conscience. There have been times in my life when I knew there was something there that ought not be there. And as the communion was passed, I stopped and, 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 and said, hey, there's a problem. I've got to deal with this this issue. Deal with it. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Let a man examine himself. Don't take as a phony. As you, as you take this bread and drink this cup, he says, let a man examine himself. The ten Words that describe what communion ought be. And if you'd like to have a copy, I have them 
with me, and I'll have them at the door. In a moment, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask then that the deacons come, and they will serve you. And then I will serve them. And we will commemorate all of what Jesus said, all of what the Apostle Paul said, communion should really be. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, thank you for this memorial. We need memorials. We need to be reminded. And we need as a church family to celebrate what Jesus did for us. And we do that in a worshipful way as we know how. Accept our worship, we pray. Accept our efforts to be as much like Christ as we humanly possibly can. For those that partake this morning, may they be able to take in genuineness and in sincerity. So, Father, thank you for this love feast. Thank you for this time when we can rejoice and worship and celebrate with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.